This is a CNA podcast. Hello, welcome to a special edition of Money Talks. I'm your guest host, Elizabeth Neo. You may know me as a business presenter with CNA TV. Now, on this special series called Am I Adulting Right? We will navigate adulthood together and figure out how you can set yourself up for financial success. We'll look at tools that can help you plan and manage your finances and answer burning questions on money matters. In this very first episode, we will start with the basics. You've just received your first paycheck. What do you do? Well, I remember my first paycheck. In my mind, you know, I had this grand plan. I was going to be responsible and squirrel away money, get some insurance, give my folks money, be really disciplined and track my spending and even see if I would be able to put a little extra into investments. What really happened when I got my first paycheck was that I went for a really good and expensive meal and I think I even bought myself some nice stuff, more than one item. So much for being responsible, right? I did save some money though, but I don't remember it being as much as I hoped to. So is there anything wrong with that? How much should we be saving and investing? Should we allow ourselves a little treat here and there? Joining me today is Gregory Van, CEO of digital wealth advisory platform Endowers and Rita Go. Rita is 29 this year and she has been working for six years. She is currently a strategist with creative agency and brand consultancy RGA. Hey, Greg and Rita, thank you for joining us. So I've shared my story on how I spent my first paycheck. Do you guys remember what you did with your first paycheck greg how much was your paycheck and what did you do with it gosh i don't remember exactly how much i think my first paycheck probably came in summer internships where i didn't get paid much at all and i probably misused that money i don't know why (laughs) we love to just like eat yes like eating is like very critical important part of happiness it seems especially in this part of the world i probably got like a thousand dollars for an entire summer and I think a lot of that ended up going to food. Yeah. But were like, you happy though? Yeah, I was happy. I was happy. I probably ended up saving like $200 or something and felt proud of myself for that. Yeah. Well, Rita, did you have grand plans for your first paycheck? And how much did you get at a start? Okay, so the thing is, I don't think I had such grand plans. <laughs> My plans were more like, what well, was I going to spend it on? The first thing I spent on was a trip, which is very <laughs> irresponsible. <laughs> and I think my first paycheck out of college was 2.8. So it's a pretty meager sum. The thing I do remember is being excited about hitting my three month so that I can get my first credit card. That was the first thing I remember vividly. It is it's like a the whole sense of like I'm finally adulting. Mm-hmm. I have my credit card. Yes. I will remember to pay my credit card bills every month. Please pay your credit card <laughs> bills every month. Okay, that will definitely be very expensive if you don't. Mm-hmm. So when you got your first credit card, did you start spending more than you should on that credit card? Yes. So that was a, a lesson I had to learn at the beginning. The first few paychecks, especially with the credit card, was very quickly squandered away. First, I was really embarrassed by that. But then looking around with my friends and my peers, I learned that actually it's a pretty common rookie mistake. Like a lot of my friends did the same thing, but quickly learned that I had to track my spending more carefully with credit cards. So the fact that you learned that you had to track your spending quite early on does seem a bit daunting, especially with so many things you need to consider. What are some major milestones that people have to think about and how can they decide how much to 
allocate for these major uh, items and still also be able to save and invest because that's you know the buzzword now right I think the key is really to automate your habits because we as humans we tend to like be a bit spontaneous when we don't take deliberate moves to automate things we won't be saving that little bit every month that will build up into a lot which you will end up using for maybe first house down payment or maybe it is to go on holiday and to have an experience that you've been dreaming of for a long time right if we just kind of live and don't automate these habits we kind of just be like oh i can spend another $10 $20 $50 $100 $500 and sooner or later you'll be like oh wow i haven't actually saved anything after many many years so i think when you just enter the workforce actually what you're being paid increases quite quickly year on year generally in careers and then it starts to slow down for a while i think when your total earnings are not that high early in your career you can probably afford to spend a bit more of that money but what i would say is get into the habit and get the exposure of what it means to save and invest and investing i think is a journey in and of itself right there is what a lot of people consider to be investing which is like betting on stocks and things but i would be very clear and call that speculating and then there's investing which is you know being diversified and low cost and investing at the risk tolerance for your goals if you're in your 20s and you're getting exposure and you're learning that will pay off in huge magnitudes later on in your 30s and 40s and when you have family to take care of uh, maybe parents to take care yeah. of healthcare and and so on and so forth yeah so for some people i think maybe they weren't able to invest or save early on in life maybe they had personal reasons that prevented them from starting early. Obviously, as you said, when you start investing early and saving early, you will be able to accumulate more money by the time you decide to retire. So, for people who didn't start early and this is obviously not their first paycheck, how can they catch up? There's two types of catch up. Sometimes, and I'm definitely not advising this version of catch up. Sometimes people are like Oh my gosh, I really need to catch up. I really need to save up for this massive thing or I really have this dream house or whatever it is. And they're like, "My friend told me to buy this thing and it's going to go up by 5 times. So I'm just going to buy that thing with all my money." And the most of the time that ends up in tears and shambles. So I think trying to catch up by gambling is probably not a good idea and i've seen that happen a lot of times actually i've witnessed it with friends and clients that have subsequently come to us and and told us about these experiences the other way of catching up i think is you have to be strict with yourself you need to say okay you know what i am going to save 25% every year and i'm going to work hard and i hope to get this kind of a bonus and i will save let's say 80% of that bonus. Like so when you get that bonus, don't go on like three lavish vacations or whatever it is and <laughs> and go eat omakase like 5 days a week. Like that's <laughs> that's not good planning. I think you just need to remain disciplined and you can achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think you need to invest very consistently and know what you are investing mm-hmm. in so that your sort of what we call like dispersion of outcomes is narrower. Mm. Right. There are only two things in investing that can that can really hurt you. One is concentration and one is leverage. And oftentimes in in Asia I think people are overly concentrated and overly levered. And that's been especially painful as we've seen interest rates move in the last 12 to 18 months. 
Mm. Rita, maybe you want to share a bit about your planning style. How do you plan your monthly paychecks? What is the eventual goal that you want to reach? So I do feel like maybe I might not be the most stereotypical for someone in my 20s. Um, I do have peers who are saving for their wedding, their dream wedding or a house. Personally, that's not what I'm saving for right now. So some of the things I do budget for annually is like holidays and new experiences and adventures. So like last year, I worked a month remotely from Bali. That was fun. And that was also something I could account for and I could plan for. And it was an experience that I guess money can't pay for also. Yeah, so that was something that I had to plan in advance and to budget and to like do my research on. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, most of us were just planning to, you know, perhaps retire early. Uh, I want to talk about this uh, FIRE movement that's been gaining traction. That's financial independence, retire early. So you want to achieve financial independence earlier than the traditional retirement age. For Greg and Rita, at what age would you like to retire? Can I jump in first? Yes. Okay, so I have heard of this, but I also think that hustling like crazy while you're young and saving every cent that you can and investing every cent that you can, I just feel like that's maybe not the best way for me personally. I don't see that as living. Because what if you don't even reach your retirement age and that's things true. happen yeah. all the time that you can't foresee or you can't plan, like illnesses or accidents, right? If you're going to spend your whole... 20s, 30s, 40s, hustling, and you just let life slip by, is that really living? That's a good point. I'm very familiar with the FIRE movement. We have a lot of fiery people um, (laughs) using the Endows platform because we have the products and solutions at a very low cost for them to achieve their FIRE goals. I think the ultimate objective, hopefully, is that you never want to retire from the work that you're doing. Mm. If I loved surfing in Bali, then I could become a surf instructor and I could do that for a very, very long time and never actually retire from it and live a lifestyle that was around really the most utility for my life and my family. So I think that is a good way of thinking about it. I agree that things can happen. So Mm. I personally also don't think you should give up on experiences in the short term. I think you can do things while you're young that you probably can't do when you're older. Okay. And it varies person to person. I know some people who don't really like to travel and that's totally fine, right? But if you love to travel, if you love to see the world, I think you should prioritize those things. Don't overspend, of course. Mm. Don't rack up credit card bills because Mm. that will crush you financially. But you should definitely pursue those things because I think that's what gives life a lot of meaning. That's true. And as also what Rita said, what if something happens to you and is life not worth enjoying? So with that, how then can we strike this balance? Obviously, be responsible with our money. At the same time, we don't make ourselves miserable while doing that. We, you know, set aside money to enrich our lives and grow. I'm sure you guys have heard of the 50, 30, 20. So 50% for your needs. So that's your utilities, your transport, your food, rent. 30% for your wants, your things you don't need but will make you happy to have. And then your 20% for savings. Is that the only way that we can do things? My view is you need to segment your money into buckets based on different goals that you have in your life. Mm. And probably the first bucket that everyone should save towards is let's say three to four, or some people say six, but I say four is fine, four months of expenses. So if my expenditure is, let's say, $2,000 a month, I should be saving, let's say, close to $10,000. 
and I should put that into something very, very safe, like a money market fund. So because interest rates have moved up, money market portfolios are now yielding like 4%. And you can take that money out anytime. So this is different from like putting your money in fixed deposits, where if that emergency actually came up, you would have to like take a penalty for early termination of a fixed deposit. You have to keep on managing that. You have to keep on rolling it over. So you can just park your money in a low cost cash management solution and that can be growing on its own. So So that's like an average bank account. You need to invest it in a money market fund Mm. and that's more efficient than keeping it at the bank account. So basically at the bank, you have what you're earning by the deposit in the bank. And then sometimes they have all these like bonuses and you know check boxes to tick and you get different bonus interest rates, but they keep on changing it. Um, and then you can also put into a fixed deposit mm. to get a higher interest rate. But the problem with the fixed deposit is that the money is locked up. And I think that defeats the purpose of emergency money, yeah. right? Which you might need to call on at any time. Mm. So that's like, you could lose your job. You don't want to dramatically have to like change your lifestyle and rack up a lot of credit card debt because you've lost your job. And you could have a medical emergency. Mm. Relative could have a medical emergency. So I think four to six months is a reasonable amount in that mm. first bucket. And then I would move on. And like people don't think about why they're investing. They always think about what to invest in. And that's a huge mistake. So what is the most important near-term goal you have in your life? So if you're like, okay, in five years, I want to buy this apartment, for example. And I, a lot of 20, yeah. late 20s, I think that's a very common mindset especially on our island here, right? So I would say, okay, if I have five years, what kind of volatility, what kind of risk can I be taking for this portfolio? And usually that would end up something around, you know, 60% stocks and 40% bonds remaining globally diversified and low cost and not trying to make like bets on like, oh, okay, everyone's telling me to invest in China now. Oh, everyone's switching, telling (laughs) me to invest in technology now, and then healthcare, and then so on and so forth. Because that merry-go-round, you'll just be chasing your own tail. And actually you'll end up probably buying high and selling low. That's probably naturally what happens. That was my first experience investing. Bought into the whole like brick craze. And you remember that like Brazil, Russia, India, China, that was the first fund I ever bought. And it was up 200% when I bought it. But at the time I bought it, it was already up 200%. Yeah. And then when I sold it, it was down 50% from where I bought it. And that's a very common experience. And that's also what often gets sold because it's sold so easily through the different, you know, Mm. networks. So I would say, okay, then you have like your five-year bucket of money for that house that you want to buy when you find the right apartment. Mm. And then you have retirement. And with retirement, I think everyone should be participating in SRS It's a great program where you can save on tax immediately and invest that money for the longer term. It also forces you. That's the automated behavioral forcing of saving. And now actually the investment options for SRS are really fantastic. So I would say like in terms of giving actionable advice, starting with these three buckets of money is Mm -hmm. a very good place to start. Hello everyone, my name is Crispina. And I'm Adrian. And we're the hosts of a podcast called Work It. If you've never heard of it, well, it's a good time to tap in. In the last 20 episodes, we've discussed topics like how to negotiate for a salary increase. Or how to get along with younger colleagues who have different values from you, which incidentally is our top performing episode. If work consumes your life and you want some perspective on issues like management, stress, even office romance, then this podcast should be on your list. A new episode drops every Monday. 
Catch us on the CNA app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rita, what is your plan? How do you allocate your salary each month? The numbers I've heard is one third, one third, one third, where you save one. Okay. <laughs> you, have, you have thoughts? You can see okay. Greg's, uh, no, no, no. Greg's. It's, I mean, it's a proportion, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it's different for everybody, yeah. Yeah. actually. Yeah. So I think it's one third personal expenses, one third investment in insurance, one third cash savings. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I've subscribed to since I started working. Yeah. Yeah. And how has that worked out for you in terms of helping you to achieve your goals in life eventually? It gets a bit tricky because retirement is so far and abstract. I am not actively thinking about it. A bit embarrassing this in front of, a, of the CEO of Endowers, but I have a financial <laughs> advisor that does that work for me. I reached out to a financial advisor since like the moment I started working. And yeah. so she has been taking care of my I'm um, going to like portfolio. secretly high-five you under the table because <laughs> um, that's what I'm doing too. I don't have time and I don't trust myself enough to think I know better and to put my money in. Yeah. And I have very, very, very low risk appetite. Same. And then so, when I look at all yeah. these things, that my head just goes like, and yeah, I don't yeah. want to think about it. So, <laughs> and Greg is judging us right now. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think it's a very common starting place for people. You know, there are a lot of brokers, bankers, financial advisors that are great people, but their incentives are not necessarily aligned to ours. So I'm going to give you guys a really quick math quiz. Okay, no. are you ready? No math quiz. <laughs> math quiz, math quiz. Okay, really quick. Can so, my calculator? Okay, say you're investing $100 and after fees, it grows by 7% per year. But there's another option where you could save 1% per year. So after fees, it grows by 8% per year. After 30 years, what do you think the differential is between growing at 8% and 7%? So it's only a 1% difference for 30 years. How big do you think that difference is? Oh, because it's compounded. Because it's, it's compounding. Not much. Mm-hmm. It is a lot, or it's not that much. Do you want to guess? Uh, uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at numbers, but okay, you tell us. So after 30 years, by saving one percent per year on fees, which sounds really small, one percent, you would have 245 more dollars, and that is the crazy power of compounding. So if it was a hundred thousand dollars you would have 245,000 more dollars by saving 1% per year in fees. Which is, if you think about it, kind of mind-blowing. Even that little bit can compound big time into a lot. That would be my (laughs) advice there. Yeah. Well, I also want to talk about the emergency funds bit, which you said up to 10K for someone who's earning, say, two a month. Or spending 2K a month. In today's economic situation, is that still the rate that we should be going by, given the uncertainties, given that things have gotten a lot more expensive? I mean, I think if you can save more in this current environment as the emergency fund, I think if you can afford to save more, you should. Mm. Also, the interest rates are higher. So what you're going to earn on that emergency money is now earning at a higher rate than it was earning a year or two years ago. So... You need to make that judgment yourself. I mean, we all work in different industries as well, which carry different levels of risk in this environment. So if you think you're in a higher risk, in an industry that is likely to get hit more easily by a recession, which is likely to happen as well, then you should probably go for a few more months of 
buffer. I mean, it's all about trade-offs,、mm-hmm. right? Finance, managing your money, actually, life is all about making these trade-offs. So what you're doing is you're sacrificing some gratification today for that delayed gratification security.、Mm. Yeah, you could probably push that up to six to eight months or whatever you're comfortable with. But also, I think what Greg was saying is that you're saving. Six to eight months of what you're spending, not not what you're making. So I think if you can spend and save within your means,、mm-hmm. it, that still counts. Yeah. What about people who don't have regular monthly salary? What should they do? I think it's a similar situation. I was talking to Ben Kang about this quite a bit because he's been one of the Endowis advocates and ambassadors for the last few months. I don't know if you guys saw his ads; they were playing all around town. Uh, for a while, but obviously, as an artist, as a creative, his income is a bit more choppy.、Mm-hmm. So it requires an even greater level of discipline, and he's also investing in a lot of concepts and businesses. So that cash flow is always going to be a bit more sporadic, rather than getting that paycheck on the twenty-third day of every month consistently. And a lot of people in the creative industry or in the shared economy industries have to be very, very disciplined in that saving. And investing for the longer term, they have better control of how much they earn because they can like work a lot more and probably、mm-hmm. earn more at the same time.、Mm-hmm. But they need to really manage their health and wealth.、Yeah. That's true. So we've seen from the pandemic, it basically decimated the whole entertainment industry. There were no more gigs. There were no more events. This is just an example of the most recent unpredictability. And it didn't also just hit people on the shared economy. It hit people. Who have like stable income, and I just want to talk a bit about having multiple streams of income. I think that is quite an attractive idea to many, especially if, say, you have a nine-to-five job and you kind of have the capacity to do more than that. What are your thoughts on that? There is quite a strong hustle mentality. I do feel among people our age, and、uh, a lot of people are not opposed to taking maybe doing something on the side. So,、yeah. what are your thoughts on that? All for it. I personally am looking to that. I have a lot of friends who do like side hustles, freelance jobs, gigs, who also run their own business on the side. I think what my friends have seen and experienced is that it's not enough to make a significant impact、mm-hmm. on their、mm-hmm. overall finances. Yeah, like their nine to five is still the the main, the,、uh, yeah, the bulk, of the bulk of their earnings. earnings yes.、Mm-hmm. I think there are instances where people really find that side hustle and really have a, like a product market fit.、Mm. I would say,、mm. and then that can take over because it is their passion as well. I mean, that's amazing for that to really become their new income stream. Our clients, probably a bit on the older side, where they already have savings, they're trying to supplement their savings by investing. And having those investments spit out dividends and bond coupons and things like that, so they get passive income of six to seven percent on what they invest, and that just comes every month as an additional. So if like they're investing a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, then they might get seven thousand dollars a year from that pool of investment. That just comes out as additional income for them. So that is a way, but I think for younger people, it probably won't be meaningful for a while because that base investment size has to be pretty sizable、mm. for that number to become meaningful.、Mm. As we said, right, the the nine to five is typically your main source, and the side gigs tend to be, I feel, motivated by your interests and your passions and your hobbies and stuff like that. So I want to wrap up the topic today. How do you feel about spending on things that make you happy, make you grow? If I want to learn how to make really great coffee, not for sale, investing in say a coffee machine, a drum set, stuff like that. 
how should I feel about it? Should I feel bad? <laughs> uh, okay, I can jump in on that. Okay, so because I have a lot of hobbies. Right. Um, I dabble in a lot of crafts and like different kind of art- artistic hobbies. I, I feel like that is a worthy investment. Not I feel like you shouldn't scrimp on hobbies or you shouldn't just work 16 hours a day or like six days a week just for life to pass by. And I feel like hobbies and passions are exactly what makes life life. It's what makes life worth living sometimes and kind of justifies why I go to work every day sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our, our Endowist tagline is actually invest better to live better. Mm. It's not invest better to try and become as rich as possible. Because that would be an endless, sad and sorry sort of pit to to fall into. Yeah, money is actually a means to an end, right? Money yeah. is the means to have that experience. So again, I think you need to spend within your means. Mm. Saving up, investing some money, and then buying that drum set is definitely not something you should be ashamed of. Greg, to help us live better, give me your one tip, your one advice that you use, you follow when it comes to managing your paycheck. Automate it. And uh, Rita? Track it. Very good. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'm going to definitely do that. And uh, that concludes the first episode of Am I Adulting Right? A special series to help you navigate the finances of adulthood. We've been talking about how to manage your paycheck with our guests and our CEO, Gregory Van and Rita Go. Thanks so much, guys. Now, if you've got other topics you think we should cover, drop us a note at CNA Podcasts at mediacorp.com.sg or tweet me at Elizabeth Neo CNA. And if you've enjoyed this episode, check out our other Money Talks content. You can find us on the CNA app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that follow button or better yet, leave a review. The team behind this podcast is Joanne Chan, Jacqueline Chan, Saya Wynn and Crispina Robert with me, Liz Neo. Thanks for listening.